Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I strive for this show to echo positivity, hope, generosity, and start a ripple effect to combat bad habits, addictions, mental health issues, and really just bring some light into your life. With all that being said, today I want to talk about what it means to be crazy happy. And with that, I've got Mr. Daniel Fusco on the show this week. He's a pastor of Crossroads Church, and he just released a new book called Crazy Happy that I'm genuinely excited to talk about. So with all that being said, Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Man, the pleasure is all mine, Trevor, and I'm excited to join you and everybody here on Trevor Talks. Dude, so we talked a little bit before we started recording. You're a pastor, social media influencer, author. You've got a show on Hillsong Channel. You've just got a lot of stuff going on. So the first question I want to ask is really revolving around your schedule. How do you fit all of this in? (laughs) Uh, Well, in a lot of ways... I can do a lot because I'm part of a great team. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I work with, you know, and I'm joined on this journey with amazing folks who accomplish a ton of stuff. So if it was just me trying to pull all this stuff off, it's impossible. So uh, because of uh, the team that God has kind of assembled around me, I get the pleasure of really just focusing on, you know, content creation, putting together content, whether it's writing the book, Crazy Happy or the podcast or the TV show or the radio. So I really just focus on the, on the content generation. And then I have amazing people around me who actually help distribute that into all these different channels. And so, uh, but I do try and, you know, talk about just a, a basic piece of life, uh, a good life hack is that you have to be intentional about your time. So like, you know, I'm one of those people every morning, uh, I try, I try and focus on content creation in the morning so that, you know, the day never gets away from me. There's always, I have accomplished these things that I need to accomplish in the morning. I, I give God my first fruits of my heart and of my time, get those things done. And then, uh, then you can get into all the other stuff as the day goes on. So. I love that. And you hinted on one of the things I wanted to discuss, which was healthy habits. So you have the healthy habit of working on content right when you wake up. Have you found that to be beneficial and not only the strategy that you have, but even your mind being clear, like you're giving your brain the first slot in the morning, assuming it's after your devotional or whatever, but you you give that to God and you're like, God, how do you want to use me today? What message do you want to share with me? Do you find that benefiting your whole day? Well, it absolutely does. And so like, you know, my morning is I wake up, I have my devotional time often with a cup of coffee because, you know, when it seems good to the Holy Spirit and caffeine and the Bible, I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) And uh, and then from there, I'll normally after my devotional time, then uh, I'll work out, you know, uh, move the body around, make sure that, you know, and especially I'm 45 now, so I'm not as young as I used to be. And and so I have to kind of work a little harder to take care of myself uh, than I did when I was a little bit younger. But, you know, then from there, you know, once you shower and, and eat a meal and then I just jump right on in and, and it's great because it, it is the, you know, I'm freshest at that time, especially after the devotional time and after working out, you know, I'm, I'm as fresh and I'm as sharp as I'm going to be. Um, I feel like my brain's able to make connections. Now, if someone's listening to this and, and maybe you're a night owl, maybe you need to flip your schedule around where you do your, your creative work, your content work uh, at night. Uh, for me, it's just, I have a tendency. Uh, I, I have been a night owl for a lot, but I find that I, for that work, the, you know, having those healthy habits and also knowing and experimenting like, Hey, this really works for me. This accomplishes what I needed to accomplish. Um, that's really the key to it is really, you know, architecting your day in order to be able to, to do and impact the things that you really feel like you're supposed to, and that God's inviting you to. 
I love that so much. And you're in your forties now. You don't look like it, by the way. I I was assuming maybe late thirties, but or early thirties. I mean, not late. Thanks so um, much. Can can you want to hang out with me? Be my hype man as we as we just kind of bro, move through the world. You're like, bro, you look so young. Being a hype man is like my goal in life. Every time <laughs> I've done tours or anything like that, everybody's like, oh, you must be a musician. No, 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 no. No, don't get it wrong. I just go hype up the crowd. That's all I do. <laughs> I just want to go get them ready for whoever's about to come out. I love emceeing. That's like my happy place. So yeah, I will come be your hype man. Just sent a casual resume over. I got you. We'll make it happen. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. I want to talk about your life growing up. Um, I know with being crazy happy, it probably wasn't always that way. A lot of us have journeys with mental health, which we talk about a lot on this show. Um, I myself have struggled with anxiety and depression in my life. And those things I know now are not my identity, but um, just to kind of set the surface, how was your childhood, man? What did it look like? Did you always want to be a pastor? Um, yeah, just share your story if you don't mind. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had a friend when I was in high school uh, who was a believer in Jesus and I, I wasn't. And they said that if there was a category that you could vote for, for the person most likely never to become a Christian, let alone be a pastor, it would have been me. So, so I grew up in a, in a, in a large, very loving, all Italian family in New Jersey. So whatever someone's like preconceived ideas of Italian people from New York, New Jersey, that was my family, just loud, like lots of people, very strong personalities and a, a ton of love. Like, you know, my mom and dad were just really loving people and there was everybody was a character like my aunts and uncles and later i found out they weren't really my aunts and uncles but they kind of were and you know it's like and just all these characters and so a lot of love but we grew up culturally catholic and so we really never talked about jesus like we would go to church but it was like we never talked about jesus at all uh, and Jesus' name only came up in my house when someone was cussing, you know what I mean? And, and Jesus came up as a cuss word. And so, so like literally by the time I was about 14, 15, um, we would go to church and I would, I was the kid who was in trouble. I, like, I think now they would have said that I was ADHD, but you know, then, then they would just like, well, you're just, you got, you know, you just don't have any self-control. And you're so, just busy, dude. Yeah. Always like kind of frisky and in trouble. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of, I, the church, you know, the Catholic church never really resonated with me and never really met me where I was. Not that it doesn't for some people, but it didn't for me. And so by the time I was uh, 14, 15, I was a self-proclaimed hedonist. So I was playing music, I'm a bass player. Uh, and so I just, I'm like, if it's fun, I'll do it. And if it's really fun, I'll do it a lot. And so, and that actually led to a, like, you know, horrendous decisions all through high school. By the time I went to college, uh, it was like, now my, I wasn't laying, staying in my parents' house. And so it was like kind of no holds barred. But in the midst of that journey, um, a number of things started going on that really had gotten my attention. Um, it began with my mother being diagnosed with cancer when I was uh, just finished my first year of college. And that was very challenging. Um, they didn't have the stages back then, but she would have been stage four. So it was very, she was young. She was 47. It was very aggressive. And uh, that was a, a big mess. She ended up losing her battle to cancer two years later when she was 49. I was 20. And so that was very challenging. And at the same time, I was hitting that. Um, I'm doing everything I thought was going to be fun and none of it makes me happy. Like no, no amount of drugs. And there was a lot of those, no amount of parties. There was a lot of those, no amount of relationships or, you know, promiscuity. Like no matter I did, I was doing everything to excess and none of it was, uh, was, uh, fulfilling me. I always think of that 
classic English theologian, Mick Jagger, you know, like, you know, I can't get no satisfaction, but I'm, I try and I try and I try, you know, and if people know that song, you know, uh, from the seventies, that classic rock tune, you know, like that was my life. And so, uh, you know, now I know that, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that, you know, uh, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And I think it was Francis Schaeffer who said that, you know, there's a God shaped hole in everyone's heart or he popularized, popularized that idea. And so I was grappling with the fact that I did have that hole. And even though I was a fun person to be around and, uh, you know, decently popular and I was doing well in school that I was just completely unfulfilled with what was going on. And so, um, I started searching spiritually, but never, I didn't start with Jesus. Cause I grew up with this, you know, this kind of cultural Catholicism that didn't really resonate. So I was in college. And so, you know, the Hari Krishnas were offering me free vegetarian meals. And so free food in college, I'm going to that and, and eating and talking to them. And I'm reading, you know, books about, you know, uh, the Buddha and the Bhagavad Gita. And, you know, I'm reading about these guys cause I was a partier. I was reading about these guys who would take hallucinogens and have vision quests. And so I was just open to all this stuff. I was taking philosophy classes and through philosophy class, I started really thinking about metaphysics. And so, um, you know, that really opened up. And, and along the way, I had two friends who started following Jesus, Mike and Jeff, um, who were good friends. And, and they, you know, they were on a similar journey to me. And so I was watching them. And then there was also a, a psychology professor who challenged me to read the Bible which was very crazy in like a liberal arts college, but he did it in such, he was so stealth the way he did it. So I started reading uh, the new Testament and I got saved in my college apartment at the end of my, uh, like the last semester of college. And so, and then I, and then, you know, I was going to play music professionally. I did it for years, but in the midst of that, as I'm walking with Jesus, then Jesus kind of, called me into the pastoral ministry. And, and in the beginning, I was pretty resistant. People, like I, I had a couple pastors and a couple people at church were like, man, you're going to make a great pastor. I'm like, what? I'll give you a professional musician. And they would never let me be a pastor. That was, you know, <laughs> And it was pretty true. Like, you know, most people wouldn't let me be a pastor, but, uh, but then God does his work and he, and he, uh, he, you know, when we follow Jesus, he changes our trajectories, you know, plain and simple. Like we're heading in one direction and then Jesus intervenes and, and he's, he changes that, that trajectory of life. And he totally did it for me. And I'm super grateful he did. Yeah. Jesus does change the trajectory for life. And, uh, when you mentioned that you were a professional musician, I can just see you playing the bass with like, what are those pants that got, um, thicker as you go down? Kind of like the, oh, like bell bottoms. Yeah, like bell bottoms, bobbing your head, dreads kind of going, you know, like I could just see that for you. But now seeing who you are now, the energy that you carry, uh, the positivity that's in your life all from Jesus, it's like, yeah, he made you to be a pastor. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And when you first found Jesus, was there any idea in your mind that you were like, okay, I'm going to be a pastor at all? Yeah, no, there, there was no thought about it at all. Like literally it's like, I was just like, music was a passion and something that I had kind of committed my life to. And you know, that picture that you have in your head was pretty much like, that was me. I played the electric and the upright bass. So the upright bass is super cool. And, and so I remember like, um, when I started really walking with Jesus, I would, like I was playing gigs for a living and I was mm-hmm. going in the recording studio and I, I would have in my, uh, you know, I have an amplifier and the bases and I would have like this, uh, a backpack that had all like the cables, like, you know, you know, extra strings, all the things. And I would have like these gospels of John that I would put in, in there and I would meet all these people and people would be like, man, like you're happy. Like, like like, does music make you that happy? I'm like, no, I'm like, no, I'm happy because of Jesus. And they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, the music's cool. And I'm like, but, but like, you know, 
every wrong note makes me a little bit frustrated with myself, you know? And so I'm like, and so they're like, no, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, so, so you're like a, a Christian? And I'm like, yeah. And these are in like bars and restaurants and stuff. Like it's not church on Sunday. Although when you're a bass player and you start going to church, you definitely start playing on the worship team pretty quick. So yeah. I, I was playing at church like in two seconds when I started going to church. But, um, but it was just really cool. Cause I'd see these people like come to know Jesus or there'd be people who are, you know, there's just like church people who go to church. Like you see the same people, like there are, what I learned is as a professional musician, that there are certain venues and certain clubs that the same people keep going to. And so like, I would be playing at these venues and I'd see, and I'd, I'd give them a gospel of John. And then they'd be like, Hey, I've been reading that, that Bible stuff. I didn't know that that stuff was in there. I'm like, I know me either. Isn't it crazy? And they're like, it's crazy. Like, so like, like, so what do you do with it? I'm like, well, I'm constantly saying, God, like, you know, how do I apply this to my life? Like, what kind of life am I supposed to lead? And they're like, man, how's that working for you? I'm like, well, it's working. It's different than I thought it would be, but it's working pretty good. And then before I know it, they're like, man, you go to church around here? I'm like, yeah, I go to this church down the street. And people start coming to church. And it's like, all of a sudden in church, there was like the section of crazy people who don't normally go to church, you know, like the bar people at church. And and for a lot of churches, that would be like, not good. But for the church I was going to, they were like, yeah, we love that everyone's here, you know? And, uh, and God started doing a cool work. And I, I saw very quickly though, that as much as I love music, I, in music, I can give people joy for a, a, a moment, you know, at best, if it's going good, you know, or I can really frustrate them or myself. But like, I, I realized very quickly that in Jesus, that when someone is introduced to Jesus, that it changes eternity too. It's not just a momentary change, but there is changes in the temporal, but it has an eternal value. And I'm always encouraging people that whatever you choose to do for your vocation or your livelihood, you know, we have to uncover what is the eternal component to what that is so that we, we're always thinking bigger than this is just what it means for a, a salary or a paycheck or steady income or ability to use these gifts. It's like, Lord, how, how do I, how do I become, you know, uh, eternally minded and heavenly minded in the midst of the earthly pursuits that we have in front of us? I love that so much. And your book is called Crazy Happy. We've talked about it. Um, why, why now? You launch this book at what I hope is the tail end of a pandemic, but I'm sure you started writing it. Did you start writing it last year? Yeah, it was written before uh, the pandemic hit. Okay. okay. So, and it was amazing because, you know, the book was supposed to come out in the fall of 2020, but between the pandemic and then there was a bunch of, um, you know, a kind of earthquakes and uh, hurricane hurricanes that hit some of the big publishing printing houses. So a bunch of books got pushed back and, I did, even though I've hated what's gone on with the pandemic and, you know, at, at our church, we've lost people to COVID, you know, everyone's been impacted in lots of different ways. People lost jobs and it's been challenging. I'm in the state of Washington, which obviously the West coast of the United States has been some of the most restrictive in it. And uh, it's been really hard for people. Um, I see God's kind of providence in its release time because pretty much everyone's crispy, like pretty much everyone's brittle from what's gone on. I think not only the pandemic, but then you have the political polarization and then you have the social unrest, you have all these different components that I think, you know, by and large people are, you know, they're not happy right now that the people are struggling. And, and so I see God's wisdom in releasing a book about happiness at a time when people are beginning to try and rebuild their lives. And, and really what my goal in the book is not to, you know, encourage a superficial, trivial type of happiness, but like Jesus talks about happiness. The Bible is full of passages that are about what a happy person is. And, and unfortunately, I think for most people, we get our cues for happiness seeking from the culture and not from the scriptures. Mm. 
you know, and I think when we, when we search the scriptures, because they contain everything that we need for life and godliness, um, when we search the scriptures, we realize we uncover a whole different view of this idea of happiness. And so I'm really excited to, and, and, and as the book's been out now for about a month, just seeing the response to it, you know, both from people who are like, I did not want to read this book. You know, it's like, it's called crazy happy. And I don't want to be like Ren and Stimpy, like silly, happy or superficial, happy, you know, um, and for people who ha- didn't want to read it, but started reading it and realized, oh, this is not that, you know, uh, and then for people who are, you know, from people who've been walking with Jesus, a lot of non-believers, it's a great book for non-believers because everyone wants to be happy. And so it's like, it explores things in a way that is uh, understandable, not just for people who follow Jesus and, and love the Lord and love the word, but also for people who are just like, yeah, I'm not really sure about Jesus, but man, I want to be happy. And so it, it, it creates a great context for uh, engagement with people, which makes me really excited. Dude, that's phenomenal. And when you started diving into this ministry lifestyle, when you started to see people share your videos on Facebook and all of the accolades come in, was it hard for you to get that mindset down of like, okay, if I'm going to be this pastor, this mentor to millions, um, I've got to get this thing down for myself. Like uh, I've found the most successful times that I've had, I wasn't expecting it. So was this platform just kind of random or was it a whole lifestyle shift? And has it been hard for you to transition from being a private person to um, having a large public following? Yeah. Well, there's a lot in that question. So, I mean, obviously like I I love the verse in, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy, where he says that the hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. And so, you know, like I realized that as a a calling to be a pastor, I can't give people what I don't have. And the last thing I want to be is to be a hypocrite where it's like what I really am in my real life and what I am in the pulpit is different. So, you know, like, you know, I didn't grow up in the church. And so, you know, and I grew up in a culture where, where somebody was being a dishonest or lacked integrity that just got called out, like in front of everybody. So like, as part of growing up in New Jersey, like people that say people in New York, New Jersey are mean, they're just really, they're, they're brutally honest. And so like people just be like, yeah, I think you're just being a total hypocrite right now. Or they, they would use other language, but that, you know, that's the the church language for it, you know? And, and so I never want to be that. And so uh, I think really growing in my faith is like, I'm a pastor because I'm, wa- I'm trying to walk with Jesus and I want to help other people. Now, I think for me, the key is um, I'm never going to do that perfectly. Like, like, and, and really the only perfect person in, in the church is Jesus and, and the rest of us are forgiven and we're perfect in Christ, but uh, on our own, we're still growing and experience what it means to be in Christ and, and, and the perfection that he shared with us. So for me, it's like really about all this stuff that whether it's, you know, YouTube videos or the TV show on the Hillsong channel and all these other places, the radio, the podcast and all the books, you know, uh, really it's about Jesus isn't impressed by any of that stuff. So it's really just me walking with him every day. And I'm trying to do that. I think, uh, yeah, it, it is like when I go into an airport and I meet all these people, you know, like, and it happens all the time where like, I'll be like, you know, all over the country and it's happened internationally as well. Where like, I'm like going through security and someone's like, are you Daniel Fusco? And I'm like, uh, yeah. You know? And they're like, I watch your videos or my, my child watches your videos. They sent me, you know, and, and, and like, and I'm always just like, well, it's good to meet you. Like it is uh, super awkward in a way, but, but then at the same time, I'm like, 
if people know me because I talk about Jesus, that's really awesome. Like, like I want to talk about Jesus. And, you know, and it's funny because like, like just, this has just happened recently. I was out and someone's like, came up to me. They're like, you're the two minute message guy, aren't you? And I'm like, I am. And they're like, you're much shorter than I thought you'd be. And I'm like, well, I do record those sitting down. And they just started laughing. They're like, you probably get this all the time. And I'm like, well, I, you know, like, I'm like, but I'm like, how'd you find a two minute message? Oh, you know, I have someone at work and, and, you know, they're, they're a religious person and they started sharing it, you know, and then like, I started looking forward to them. And I'm like, so you don't, you're not like, you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus. Like, no, no, I don't know what I believe, but I started looking forward to them. So like, so, so they're like, I would wait for them to share, but then they won't always share. And I realized you did them more often than they were sharing. So like, I, I liked your page, but I didn't tell anybody, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm like, well, happy you told me. And we had this delightful conversation. And, and so it is a little, it's different, but in a lot of ways, I'm just happy that if people know me, they know me because I'm just trying to, to sprinkle crazy Jesus's plan for crazy happiness into the world. And I'm telling them about who he is. And if in some ways me as a vehicle to connect people to Jesus, I'm just super like, I'm humbled by that. Oh, that's beautiful. And for someone that picks up your book or listens to the podcast or your radio show, how can they expect if they're struggling with depression or anxiety or just mental health in general, what is your hope? What is, what's the message that you want them to walk away with? Of course, Jesus, but what are some practical steps that you think they could use to overcome that battle that they're facing? Yeah. So I always tell people with mental illness, like if it's, if it's a clinical, like there's a difference between being down melancholy or then being clinically depressed. And there's a difference between having kind of generalized anxiety about what's going on and then having a clinical diagnosis. Like it was funny. My 16 year old son just said to me the other day, we were talking and he's like, I'm never going to say that I'm depressed because that demeans somebody who has a, like a, a diagnosis of depression. And I'm like, bro, that's super aware of you to think that way. So I think if someone has a clinical diagnosis, then obviously you need to go see your doctor and you need to get that, the help that you need. And that's a great thing. Like that, that, that like we live in a fallen world where our bodies are falling, our brain chemistry can be falling, you know, every everything's falling. Like every time something dies, it's because we live in a fallen world that's been broken by sin. So we need to get the help we need, you know. Uh, but then with getting the help we need, so much of uh, what God's plan is for our life is he, I think he wants to give us fresh perspective on how we see things. Like, like, let me give you an example. Like in my book, Crazy Happy, I'm talking about the Beatitudes. There's nine of those. And then there's nine fruit of the spirit. And I put them together. Now, the second Beatitude is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, most people would say, well, I know I'm happy when I'm not sad, <laughs> right? Like, like that's how our culture defined. But Jesus says, no, oh, how happy is the person who's grieving? The person who's sad, the person who's mourning because of their own brokenness and sinfulness, the brokenness of the world that they live in, things are breaking their heart, you know? And it's like, Jesus actually said that the happy person actually feels that way. And so like, when you start to realize that like, some of like, what I always tell people is that everything that we experience is an invitation. Like, so like when I feel sad, that's an invitation from God to be comforted in the midst of my sadness. It doesn't mean he's always going to take away. Like when my mother passed away, like that just stunk like straight up. Like, like I went into a pretty dark hole when that happened, 
you know, like my mom was, she's like this as, as an Italian kid, like moms are the matriarch of the family. Like they're the glue that holds everything together. And my mom was some sort of like industrial grade department of defense glue that only they can use. It's like, she was just a, that, that person when she was no longer here, I didn't know what to do, you know, but what I realized over time is that my sadness is an invitation from Jesus for him to bring comfort, you know, uh, and that it's not wrong to be sad. You know, I think as Christians, sometimes Christians say, well, man, listen, if I'm sad, there's something wrong with me. It's actually the shortest verse in the Bible is that Jesus wept. You know what I mean? And so like, so we we need to be kind of realistic about these things. So I think for people who are struggling, what I always tell people is one, everything that you're experiencing is an invitation from Jesus for him to do a work. Two, you're in the middle chapters. So like the, the story's not yet written. And so what we go through in a moment, and that's why I always tell people, especially people who are struggling with like, you know, uh, serious depression, I'm like, you just have to remember this is the middle chapters. This story, like you're not in the final chapter. Like this story is not yet over yet. And, and in any good story, there is all sorts of calamity in the middle chapters. You know, like every movie's got like that moment where everything's going great and then everything falls apart and the sad music comes on. And, you know, and so I like to tell people that in Jesus, you know, you're in the middle chapters. And because you're in the middle chapters, there's more of the story that needs to be written. So don't short circuit the story by, by making bad, worse decisions. The story's not yet over yet, how God's going to do a work of redemption, what he's going to do next. And then I always tell people that uh, so much of the Christian life is about perseverance. It's about uh, learning how to hold on in the midst of it. And, and, and even though like, I, I don't have a, you know, like I, I don't have a, a mental health diagnosis, but I realized that as a husband, I got to hold on, you know, as a dad. I have three great kids. I got to hold on. Like it, you know, and it's like, as a pastor, I got to learn how to, how to hold on and just keep showing up for things. And, and in a lot of ways, I think when we struggle and we go through those valleys and those seasons and those times that are just hard, learning how to cling to Jesus and keep showing up like that in of itself is a, is a great triumph of faith. And, and we're all going through it in different ways. It's just a matter of what, what our ways are. So we just have to keep showing up. Yeah. And just to kind of hit on it, I didn't really sit down and think about how busy pastors actually are until recently. Like uh, somebody in your congregation uh, gets put in the hospital, somebody dies, like somebody's extremely happy. Like there's, you're on call for everything, really. And for those pastors that are out there and maybe they're not feeling crazy happy and in return, they can't encourage their congregations to be crazy happy. Like what, what have you found as when you stepped into leadership and you needed that secure guidance of like a mentor or someone to walk through this with you? If there's a pastor out there and they can't really find that community um, and anyone around them, what is your main takeaway for them out of this episode? Yeah. So my takeaway would be that you have to keep looking for the people that you need in your life. Like there's an old saying that pastors use that every pastor need, or every person needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. So if you know the Bible, like, so Paul, it was a mentor to pretty much everybody, right? So Paul's the mentor. 
And then obviously Barnabas was Paul's companion on his first missionary journey. And they were not, they were peers. Like they walked together in the journey. And then everyone needs a Timothy, someone who you're pouring into. So for a pastor or just anybody, it's like everybody needs a mentor, needs like a, a spiritual friend who's a, who's a peer, who's on the same step of life, who's walking through it. And then people you pour into. And I think pastors need the same three. And one of the things that I've learned as a pastor is that um, you know, my mentors, I have a, a number of mentors. There's a number of people. And, and, and the only way you have people pouring into your life is you have to seek them out. You know, uh, what I've learned is that most uh, people are not looking to add more people to who they're pouring into. But if you seek them out, you know, if the first person says no, you go to the next person, you know, so I think, you know, having, and I also have multiple mentors for different things. Like there's some people like, you know, there's some mentors that I have that are like their long-term pastors of, you know, like Crossroads is a very large church. And so, so these are folks who've been in the ministry a long time, who their ministries, their, the church size is larger and they, and everything I come up with, that's my problem. Like, oh yeah, we experienced that like 25 years ago, you know, and this is what we did and this is what we learned. And so like, I need like the, the practical skills stuff on some of the stuff. But then I also have uh, mentors who are there, there just like on soul care, just like helping me work through the, you know, the, the pain of ministry. Like I had someone once say to me that ministry is a slow death or ministry is death by a thousand cuts, you know, and, and I've experienced that where it's like, there's, you know, it's a minefield because people like you're there for everyone's highest moments and their lowest moments. Like, you know, like when you, when you do a funeral for a child. Like when, when you do a funeral for somebody who committed suicide, when you, when you get called to a horrific situation, you know what I mean? And, or then there's someone who gets mad at you for something you didn't do or someone who saw something you did do and they misinterpreted it. And then you're also still a sinner. And so there's all these great reasons why people are, are upset with you because, you know, you know, and pastors right now coming through 2020, I mean, every, almost every pastor I know had, they, people got mad at them because there was masks, there was no masks, they were closed, they were open, they didn't take a stand on this or that. And it's like, and so every pastor I know got real nicked up in 2020. So you have to find ways to, I always tell people, if you don't have healthy release valves, and that's not only for pastors, you will find unhealthy ones. And when you find unhealthy release valves, that ends up destroying your life, let alone your ministry. And so you have to find those healthy release valves, those healthy people, people who you can be real with. So like, I'm grateful. Like I have great mentors. I have great Pauls in my life. Uh, I, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Barnabases. Like, so I, there's 12 people on, 12 pastors on staff at Crossroads. So, wow. you know, yeah. So, and, and these are my friends too. Like, you know, I'm the lead pastor, but like we're friends and we walk through life together. And, you know, some of them have kids who are out of the house now. So I can talk about parenting. Some of them have amazing marriages. I'm like, Hey, how did you do that? You know, uh, some of them, you know, so there are, everyone's in different stages. Um, and so you have to have great friends, around. And then you also need to have people that you're pouring into. And what I always tell people is I learn a lot from the people I'm pouring into as well. You know, sometimes the, the farther you get down the road, you, you know, maybe you lack zeal in certain areas, maybe, uh, you know, there's that, there's that beautiful kind of, uh, God can do anything. And if you've been in it for a long time, maybe you're a little bit like, yeah, maybe God can do that. I don't know. Like, because you've, you've experienced enough setbacks. And so if, if you're teachable and if you seek after, you know, that, that support network, you will find it. It's just a matter of how long it takes to find it. Man, I love that so much. And one of the last things I wanted to talk about was in your journey to becoming the Daniel that you are today, 
Um, there's so many people that are chasing online verification, fame, numbers, all of these crazy, I don't even know what you would call them. Um, it, it's almost as if they're carrying a burden for that uh, verification from an algorithm. What would you say that we could all learn from? If maybe it's an experience that you've personally walked through or a friend um, with chasing these platforms. I feel like we've all been there to a certain time or another. And I've personally realized that it's not everything. Numbers aren't going to make you happy. Being on the radio is not going to make you happy. Having your music played somewhere like um, I, I think most notable, uh, the rapper NF talks a lot about his mental health and like how he thought getting number one on billboard and all of these things would make him super, super happy and all that oppression would just go away. And it just simply doesn't work like that. Um, how do you think we could all combat that a little bit better together? Well, you know, I, I think the best way to do it is to become aware that it actually doesn't make you happy. And, and we have so many examples of this and, and like we see it sometimes with like, you know, the, the, the real famous people and they're like kind of miserable and everyone's like, yeah, it must be so hard to be so miserable when you're so famous. And it's like, but no, like they achieve their dreams and they're not happy when, you know, when they get there. And so I think that awareness, but like you said, like you only really learn it, even if you know it as a kind of a, uh, like an intellectual idea, you only really understand it once you've been there. And so like as somebody who has watched the platform grow and all this stuff, it's like, yeah, I just realized like, like it hit a point about five years ago for me where I would scroll through hundreds of comments, just looking for the negative ones. Hmm. You know, like, like it, because it's like, it, it, it's all so dysfunctional really, you know? And, uh, and in this day and age, when I, if I scroll, look, I'll find the negative ones because who doesn't like my hair, who doesn't like what I said, or I didn't say it this way. And if they were saying it, they would have said it this way. And who thinks I should have done this or the other thing. And so everyone has an opinion, but then what, what I really learned in it is that there's only one person's opinion and that really, really matters. And that's Jesus's like, what does Jesus say about me? And so for me, that's the most important thing. And then secondly, the next set of opinions that matter are people who really know me. So like my wife and my kids' opinion of me matters way more than some random person who I went to high school with or or who I met along the way because they saw a video. Like they don't know me. You know, like like the pastors or the elders of Crossroads, what they think of me matters more than somebody across the world who's watching a video and making a, a, a judgment of it. And really like, you know, the people who actually know you like, and we've seen a lot of this where uh, influential people kind of torpedo their lives and, you know, and so for me, you know, uh, really making sure that I am solid with the people who like I'm living face to face with, not screen to screen, but face to face with, um, really prioritizing them, who they are, what, you know, what their understanding of where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are, uh, has really helped me because what I realize is that like, when I go home today, this afternoon, you know, um, my kids and my bride, they were not involved in anything that, you know, all these posts and, you know, the TV show plays and the radio plays and videos get watched all day long. When I go home, like when I see them, if their faces light up because I'm there and I get big warm hugs, you know, and I'm a solid dad and I'm a solid husband, all the other stuff is like, well, okay, that's great. Like, but this is really what matters. Like what's right in front of me. And, and I always tell people that I love social media and I'm going to, I want to leverage it for the, for the glory of God. I love podcasting, TV. Like I'll use all of it. Like, like I, I want Jesus to be on there, but in the end of the day, like 
that's, it's not real life. Real life is when you're sitting in front of somebody, you know, the people who are in front of you. And I think for, I would encourage younger people, you know, focus on the people who are legitimately in front of you, not the people who you see on your phone who may or may not think certain things about you. That is actually not real, you know, and what, and I know that because what, a funny story uh, you know, and, and when you do a lot of, when you do ministry and, and, and you do it publicly, you end up with detractors, you know, you end up with people who don't like you. And there's nothing that is more interesting to me than when you actually meet face to face, somebody who has been your detractor online, because all of a sudden they're not so aggressive with you anymore. Like they're like, I'm like, Oh, Hey, Oh, Oh yeah. I, I you know, and, and I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, I noticed that you, you know, you know, I didn't, I don't mean that, you know, I'm not saying that. What do you mean? You're saying, I'm like, oh, like when I say transform people, transform people, I'm not neglecting the fact that Jesus transforms us and then Jesus transforms other people through us. I'm like, but that's a little bit more worthy than just saying it that way. So I say the the little phrase and then I unpack the phrase. I'm like, oh, I believe that too. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, normally you're all mad at me for saying that I'm, you know, that I'm, that I'm a humanist or this. I'm like, but they're never that, they're never as mean in person as they are online. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and, and so it's just like a, a wild experience when you realize like, you know, and then of course the online stuff, it's like, it, it lacks body language. Like you can't look into someone's eyes. You can't see their body language and, and they're just words and depending on how you're feeling. And so we have a tendency to mistake people's intentions and what they're thinking and what they're trying to say. And so for me, I think the key is, is like, you're going to find happiness in the community of people that God has placed around you. And you really want to invest your energy there and who those people like, I always say that character is what God knows that we are and reputation is what people think that we are, you know, and, and really your character, the people who know you, they'll know your character. Like my bride knows that I'm not like, I'm not always the happiest person, you know, and I talk about that in the book. Like I'm not always, you know, toothy smile, you know? And, and so she sees me when I'm tired. She sees me when I'm hungry, you know what I mean? And so, and so she knows who I really am. And, and, and I just want her to say, man, you know, my husband, he's not perfect, but he's trying to follow Jesus. And, and every day he's growing a little bit more. And if that's happening, then I think, you know, life's a net win, no matter what goes on online. Man, that's so good. And where can people find your book? Yeah, if you're looking for crazy, happy, nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life, wherever you like to buy books. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, Walmart, you know, wherever you get your books, all, all the indie bookstores or whatever. We have, they're out there in the audiobook and the ebook and all that kind of stuff. Dang, man. It's everywhere. We're going to put the Amazon link in the description below. And y'all go follow Daniel on social media at The Fusco and look him up on Facebook at Daniel Fusco. Thank you so much for just being here. And be sure to go check out Daniel's show over on the Edify Podcast Network, Crazy Happy. And uh, go check out our friend Jason Sautel with Jesus is All We Need podcast coming to edify network exclusively next week we love you guys thank you so much again for being here and we will talk to y'all next week often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith but i believe jesus loves our questions our questions are windows into heaven i'm caden fabrizio and on the questions with caden podcast we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible questions about fear anxiety depression addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.